3: Wednesday the 10th of October with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. Yesterday the government outlined how it will spend the additional 1.5 billion euro it will have next year. The amount is made up by using 800 million euro already anticipated and by raising an additional 700 million euro in revenue. Much of this by uh, increasing the VAT rate in the hospitality sector to 13.5%. An extra €1 billion, euro, which came as an unexpected windfall from corporation taxes, has been gobbled up before it even hits the state's bank account in order to pay for overspending in the health service. So, what will it mean for you? Well, with a half a billion euro extra, there's a little for everyone, but we're not exactly flush. Tax cuts and welfare increases will give everyone around an extra fiver every week. There's more money for health and housing, childcare, crime and Brexit. How far this money can be spread out, we'll discuss now with local TD and Government Minister Regina Doherty. Minister, thanks for joining us. There's a very serious storm in the Atlantic which uh, they say will hit us Thursday night, Friday morning. If it turns out to be another serious, adverse weather event causing flooding or injury or structural damage, will the government take responsibility for this? And what will it cost us in fines when we fail to meet our 2020 targets?
4: Well, first of all obviously any adverse weather effect um, the government has to prepare for. We have a yellow status warning at the moment um, which most people tend to think isn't really a warning given that and um, people misread um, or maybe misunderstood the warnings of the last storm we had. Yellow status is quite serious. There's going to be. But does the government take it around. serious,
3: or, or uh, is the government uh, a little bit like Donald Trump in how it views uh, the threat to the environment uh, from the increase in global heating?
4: Well, I I would assume, and I'm making a big assumption, Michael, that you're jumping to that conclusion on the basis that we didn't increase. Carbon tax yesterday. Well, I'm jumping to the conclusion
3: um, on the fact that the government did a U-turn and didn't increase carbon tax yesterday, as the Taoiseach had promised in August.
4: No, we haven't certainly done a U-turn. We just haven't introduced it yet on the basis that uh, we feel that the country has to have a preparedness to actually get ready for this.
3: Okay, so So, what's it going to cost us, Minister?
4: Michael, the Project 2040 that was announced a number of months ago, um, 25% of it is entirely preparing for our 2030 targets. It's recognising that the EU has suggested that we're a little bit behind our other counterparts in, uh, in Europe and that we need to catch up. Uh, we've made other measures alongside um, public transport provision after this year will only be um, diesel buses or um, uh, electric buses. We've made provision in uh, all of the climate action changes that we're going to do. We've One 12 in every years, four Minister. Euro.
3: You saw that, uh, that yeah. in 12 years from now the world is going to implode and we've to reduce our emissions uh, by 20% by 2020. Instead it'll be by 1%. Why was there not a carbon tax yesterday? Was that a political fudge?
4: Well, first of all, um, I think you'd have to understand why people raise taxes, why they put taxes on something and why, uh, in the most cases, people would put taxes on the likes of cigarettes or alcohol or indeed diesel uh, at home heating oil is to change practices. And I think what we found in the last probably year is that the price of diesel and home heating oil, and I think your own Marie Cairns only tweeted about this the other day when she had to buy a, 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 heat, a home heating fill the price has nearly doubled in the last year and it hasn't changed practices so putting a tax on something in order to curb and change people's practices wouldn't have actually worked and what it would have done is it would have hit most of the hard pressed people in this country who rely on diesel or home heating oil okay. or in my case it's the people that I okay, love we, we, the most we,
3: vulnerable We stand, a, we stand alongside we Donald convinced. Trump and ignore the Paris so uh, Accord. We have
4: been effectively taking money out of their pocket without an actual plan of preparedness as to how we're going to... Carbon Why aren't we prepared? Practices. Well, we've started already with our 2040 project, as I have just said to you, that one in four euros uh, of government capital spend hmm. in the next 10 years... In 2005, the EPA the was capital.
3: warning the government about this, so, uh, I mean, we've been sitting on our hands. Well, In August, I, I the, in August the Taoiseach said that there would be true. an increase in carbon tax.
4: I'm telling you that that's not strictly speaking true. You only have to look at the Department of Communications, Energies and Natural Resources, that are only are there grants available to all of your listeners um, to insulate their homes, to protect them from actually losing the heat and uh, saving the energy. You can also look that there's incentives to get um, electric pumps in their back garden. Mm. There's incentives to get electric pumping stations and uh, for electric cars in their front gardens. There's an awful lot of stuff that's already started. All right. We've a uh, major process this year, and I don't know if you missed it yesterday, that was announced from the Agricultural Minister uh, and it's co- coincidentally it's called Beef and it's to address the climate change effects of our agricultural industry although okay. they have made major
3: Okay well we're not right? going to meet our targets Minister uh, and uh, we are ignoring well, the commitments. Michael
4: 2030 is a long way away so don't, never say never.
3: Alright uh, Minister, 1,500 million euro is a, a lot of money, a lot of extra money that the government will have to spend next year why is the government so hesitant to build housing?
4: Well, I I don't think that's true. I think there are um, targets that were reached last year. We have doubled the number of houses year on year for the last three years since we started our Rebuilding Ireland programme. We're going to deliver 7,500 social houses this year, 10,000 social houses next year. But more importantly, because we can get caught up in just talking about social houses there are tens of thousands of young adults who can't afford to buy a house, and we're introducing and extending our affordability program um, by 100 million this year to able, you know, to be able to help people mm. buy their houses in and around the country. Okay. We have the land development agency that was launched a couple of weeks ago that was financed in yesterday's budget. We have 30 million extra being provided mm. for rough sleepers mm. and homelessness to try and move people out of hotels. Uh, by creating more hubs. Yep. We have an extra £121 million, uh, between my own department and uh, Owen Murphy's department to help people with... Well, mental you're, you're,
3: you're putting, you're, you're putting a lot of money into helping street sleepers, aren't you? You're going to spend €60 million Euro extra next year because there'll be more people sleeping on the streets and that'll provide them with hostels and all of that. That's an awful failure, isn't it?
4: Well, actually, I think, Michael, if you look at the numbers, they've more than halved in the last year, so I don't know what your definition of failure is versus a well, normal person. My, my, de- my definition of failure... failure com- only happens when you give up, Michael. Uh, uh, well, uh, and I don't think any government will uh, well, well, give up on their Irish citizens. Well, the most vulnerable well, in well, need of help. With respect, I Minister, can categorically tell you that this government is not going to, which is why we're okay. putting 60 million. With, with
3: respect, uh, Minister, given that you've described me as an abnormal person, may, maybe I, 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 I could make my abnormal point. When you yes. increase the amount of money available to, to to give a bed to people sleeping on the street. That means there'll be more people sleeping on the street and that is a, a failure. Uh, forgive my abnormal logic.
4: Well, first of all, uh, what you've just said isn't true because the £60 million is not only for helping our rough sleepers and it isn't just providing a bed, Michael. It's providing wraparound services for the reasons those people are sleeping on the street. But it's also to increase our emergency accommodation and our additional family hubs so that people don't have to spend Um, time in hotels, Mm. as we have so eloquently heard um, from people who have displayed their their stories to us in the last number of weeks on our radio, on our on our airwaves. Well, we'll we hear Peter
3: McVary agree with my abnormal logic later in the programme and describe it as an admission of failure it, by the it, government in terms of tackling street their sleeping, opinions,
4: Michael. But it doesn't change the fact that we're spending sixty million euros of taxpayers' money this year to ensure that nobody has to sleep on the street mm. and that no family has to stay in a hotel. That there will be family emergency accommodation for them available in our hubs. Uh, and I think the fact of the matter is is that we have statistics that show you the families that move into hubs, on average moves out of those hubs into a permanent housing home hmm. solution within six months. And That's not failure. And of It might be happening as fast as maybe people like it to but it certainly is not failure. Failure is when you give up, Michael
3: And in uh, the budget yesterday, of the 1.5 billion euro available in additional funds to the government an additional 80 million was given to the capital investment in housing.
4: Well, that's because we had already allocated 2.4 billion Um, towards housing projects in rebuilding Ireland. So we announced this plan a number of years ago. We're now coming up to the end of year two in what will be a five-year plan. And it would have been pretty silly to announce the plan a number of years ago without it being capitalised. So what we've done actually this year is, because we're actually ahead of the plan target, Mm -hmm. is to add extra money.
3: You've added an extra £80 but you had £1.5
4: We do, yeah, but the the, the houses are currently being built.
3: Yeah, 490 houses will be uh, delivered next year. Isn't that right? I beg
4: your pardon, Michael?
3: 490 additional social houses will be delivered next year.
4: Additional to what?
3: New houses.
4: No, I'm 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 dreadfully sorry because I don't know who's briefing you, Michael, but the statistics are by the end of this year, so let's not get to next year for a second, by the end of this year, there will be 7,500 social houses delivered between government, local authorities and housing body agencies in this country. And that's twice as much as we delivered last year and there will be twice as many delivered next year. And so that's the plan that's building and growing and developing. And we're also in the process of supporting people who are not able to buy the houses that are currently on the market Mm -hmm. by an affordable purchase scheme. And they're also in the process of building, clearing land, which with the Land Development Agency, to be able to afford uh, people who want to buy houses at different prices that are not what we would classically call either social or socially affordable houses, to be able to free up that land so developers can build on it Mm -hmm. at more affordable costs. So I'm not sure where you got your 490, but it's well of the market.
3: Right, uh, and uh, you're including uh, land or housing that is leased and uh, acquired through HAP, are you?
4: Well, no, HAP don't come into those numbers at all, Michael. So the numbers of the houses that are being delivered, the permanent home solutions, and I wouldn't call HAP a permanent home solution. The permanent home solutions that are being delivered are being delivered directly by either local authorities or our housing agencies, or in some cases, direct bills. And there also we have um, the Part 5 program where you know that there are private developers have to hand over 10% of any houses that they build in a private capacity mm. to the local authority um, as a levy. So when you add all of those delivery methods up, and yes, they are different to what historically people would have been used to, where county councils just build houses. Um, but people like the Ivy Trust, mm. people like Clude um, have been building houses for many, many years. and so they're now working in partnership. And in our own neck of the woods, for argument's mm. sake, Mead County Council have a very, very successful relationship with our housing bodies and are delivering hundreds of houses in County Mead mm. through the Part 5 process, but also through partnering with our housing agencies. And at the end of the day, I don't know, Michael, about you, but the people that I know that are getting key don't really care who's building the house they just care that they're getting their own permanent okay. well, door, uh,
3: How many are the County Councils going to deliver next year?
4: So this year the County councils with our housing agencies are going to deliver 7,500 uh, social houses next year it'll be 10,000 social houses and every year thereafter, it'll be 10,000 social houses until there is nobody who wants a house in this country that can't have a house. Okay, That's and the you, commitment in Project 2040, and we're already delivering on those targets. You,
3: you, you spoke uh, about uh, the affordable housing scheme that was announced yesterday. That will result in, what, 6,000 houses over three years?
4: Well, actually, it wasn't announced yesterday. It was um, announced back in March of last year, mm. a fund um, uh, that was established Of 75 o- million,
3: and 14 million was added to it.
4: Yeah, we added some money yesterday, but at the end of the day, money will keep being added to that until that particular need um, is fulfilled. And what we are very aware of is, is that there are young adults in their late 20s and early 30s who are desperately trying for a variety of reasons, one of which is probably the 10% deposit, one of which um, is the fact that price houses are increasing and the availability isn't as much as it used to be, that need that extra help in in order to be able to get on the housing ladder when you and I would have probably in our 20s. That project is there since last March. The money that's been allocated to it yesterday is over and above the initial 75 million seed money that was put into it. But we're determined Mm. that the eligibility limits... Uh, were changed slightly yesterday from fifty to seventy-five thousand for dual applicant households, and those people who need help to be able to buy their first home will get it.
3: Uh, do you have sympathy for Fianna Fáil, trying to put a, a positive spin on this? Uh, this is uh, the Fianna Fáil stamp on the budget, and they're saying that they've uh, delivered uh, affordable housing when, in fact, uh, there's very little in addition to what had already been planned. 75 million before yesterday's announcement, an additional 14 million. 14 million out of 1.5 billion. It's pretty dismal in terms of Fianna Fáil's record in trying to influence the government's direction, isn't it?
4: Can I put it to you this, Michael, that we wouldn't have a government without Fianna Fáil? And so for that alone, they deserve credit. They provide very robust discussions with us over the last number of weeks to ensure that not only do we get hmm. a housing... But
3: they're, making, they're um, make, making a lot of fuss about nothing, aren't they?
4: Well, I don't know if you know anybody who's trying desperately to buy a house, Michael. I don't think it's a lot of fuss about nothing, about ensuring that somebody can buy a house 40,000 euros less than what they could have potentially bought the house but for
3: who, who's going to buy these houses? There's only going to be 6,000 over the next three years. Well, and, and most mo- most of them were coming down the line anyway so it's it is an awful lot of fuss about nothing
4: you have a a very negative perspective uh, michael either on politics or on life at the moment i'm not sure why yesterday the government announced a 1.5 billion spread across 15 departments to try and have a positive impact on people's lives we introduced paid parental leave for young couples so that they can stay at home uh, with their families. I introduced Job Seekers Benefit for the self-employed entrepreneurs of this country mm. who've never been looked after. There are thousands of good, positive items that of were introduced yesterday. Are. And you want to focus on Pina and to their credit, they're the only reason... Well, what I was,
3: focusing on, what I was fo- focusing on was a, a to crisis credit, uh, that most people are to appalled
4: credit, by. Michael, you're aware that Michael, Mihal Martin called the Taoiseach this evening, and we are going to begin renegotiations of the Confidence and Supply Agreement to ensure that this country, at what is a very perilous time for us in the next number of weeks and months with regard to Brexit, have stability in this country, and have the ability to be actually able to spread that one5 billion euros to be able to reach every
3: single household in mm. this country.
4: Well, my, so you and I have a different perspective. Well,
3: my focus, Minister, questions. was on a crisis uh, that most people are ashamed of in this country, that there is ten to 15,000 people who are homeless, uh, and that this government does little uh, extra to address uh, that problem. And that of that one and a half billion euro that you had to play with yesterday. Uh, you could have taken a billion out of it uh, because there was that windfall from corporation tax. Most of that went on bad governance because of an overspend in health.
4: Again, I, Mike, I really think you got out of the wrong side of the bed in the morning. Every euro that's spent in our health service is spent on Irish people. Every single euro. And we spend our days... Lauding the services that our men and women, our nurses and our doctors, and our porters and our chefs in our hospitals provide, because the service that's provided in the HSC through our health service and our hospitals mm. is second to none. Okay, well, Absolutely what will we do next
3: year if we're seven hundred million over budget and we don't have it?
4: Well, you, you can see that there's been actually an excess of a million euros to put into next year's health budget to account for the ageing demographic, to account for programmes, to account for building a new maternity hospital, a new children's hospital, opening of 2,600 new beds because we realise we have a bed capacity problem in our health service. All of that money is being spent on Irish people to deliver a state-of-the-art health service. And yes, we have, you know, crunch areas where there are difficulties. But you address those areas by having change management, by having a positive attitude and by putting the money where it's needed. We put money into agriculture yesterday. We increased significantly our spend on education. We're increasing our Garda force by 800 next year, all of which you've chosen to ignore. And by the way, you've just doubled our homelessness figures at the drop of a hat. Our homelessness figures are high enough at 10,000, they don't need to be inflated by you. And what you can't say in one half of
3: the. It was Peter McVerry who suggested it was 15,000, Minister.
4: The is that we're spending too much money, wastedly, immediately, 60 million on uh, emergency accommodation, and then in the other breath say we're doing nothing.
3: Well, it was Peter McVerry so who said that as well.
4: Well, OK, well then say he's entitled to his opinion. Mm. But he's also used to be head of an organisation that is hugely instrumental in helping us address our homeless emergency accommodation. And you know and I know we wouldn't be able to do it without them as a state, without people like Peter McBerry Trust, like Focus Ireland, like the Simon community, like Vincent DePaul. These are our agencies that are actually working with us on the ground to try and deal with people who are sleeping rough because of a myriad of social issues, people who are in hotel rooms because we're not building fast enough, but we're creating family hubs to at least create a family-type environment for these people for the six or nine months that they have to be in emergency accommodation before we move them into full-time housing solutions. You can ignore all of the money and all of the spread as you like yesterday and call Fianna Fáil a failure and even call this government a failure. But the fact of the matter is is that we had a prudent and fair budget yesterday. We put a very small amount of money into everybody's pocket. Mm. Five euros is not going to change anybody's lives. But it shows how careful we are and about how fair we are in ensuring that what we introduce in this country is going to be sustainable, regardless of the challenges that this country face. And you know well, from speaking to Mairead McGuinness and my own Helen McEntee in, in meads how much of a risky situation that we're in in the next couple of months. Mm. So we're going to be... Pre-
3: yes, and I, I and know going that going the the has pre- said that there uh, could be a supplementary budget as a, a result of that, because we haven't factored in a, a no Brexit scenario. Uh, it just uh, for the record, well, actually, I, I, I said the fall, Council Council that fall we're making a...
4: Opened his statement yesterday with the first line saying that this budget was in line with a no Brexit scenario. And so we may not know what the unknowns are, Michael, for the next couple of months. But we'll be damn well
3: ready for them. OK, well, I, I did say that uh, I, I thought uh, that Fianna Fall were probably making a, a fuss about nothing. I don't think I said they were a failure. I don't think I, I did say that the government were a failure. I did point to some of uh, the crisis situations that this budget suggests. It will address and questioned if that was the case or or not, but we've run over time at this stage, Minister, and thank you indeed. Maybe time.
4: we just have a different perspective, but anyway, good morning, Michael. Good,
3: good morning to you, and thank you indeed for joining us, as always. That's uh, the Minister for Employment and Social Protection, Regina Doherty, TD.
5: Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM.
3: FM. Now, let's take up uh, on some of uh, the points we were discussing with Regina Doherty there with Oshin Cockland, Director of uh, Friends of the Earth Ireland. Good morning, Oshin, and thanks uh, for joining us. I was asking uh, the Minister a while ago if we've uh, an adverse weather event this week in this country and more of them in time to come. Is that something that government should take responsibility for, given its lack of movement in terms of tackling global warming and uh, its failure to introduce uh, the promised carbon tax yesterday? Uh, And uh, on foot of that, uh, if Ireland is going to fail to meet its targets and if we face fines as a result? Hello, Asheen.
0: Yes, I'm here. Yes, uh, and, and, well. and I didn't hear her answer, but it was a very good question you asked her, uh, because it is, it is extraordinary in the week that's in it, uh, where we had this b- big UN report on Monday that said climate change is happening faster than we thought, the impacts are worse than we thought, we have less time to contain it than we thought, or we need to double our efforts, we need to reduce our pollution twice as fast as we thought, it was essentially the top-line messages from this report, if we're going to you know, have, a, have a, a relatively stable, the change is coming anyway now, but a relatively stable, uh, habitable world for our, for our children and for our retirement, if you're of working age like me, um, that's, that was the message from the UN on Tuesday. We had a, a 18 degrees uh, yesterday in Dublin, as the budget was being announced. We have a storm coming on, on, on Friday, and we've had a lot of extreme weather events in the last year which all have a fingerprint of global warming, not everyone, not everyone is caused, that's not what, how it works, but each of them, they're made more likely and they're made more uh, intense by climate change. And the government kind of stuck its fingers in his ears and went la 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 and having themselves raised expectations of having a carbon tax. Uh, the Taoiseach said that, 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 he would, that we needed to raise carbon taxes. He said we had been a laggard and he not wanted to see new ambition and new action. They then get cold feet at the last minute Uh, for short-term political calculations and show no leadership. I mean, it's just a staggering failure of leadership. They didn't explain how it would work, how it could work, and how they could offset the impacts by reducing other taxes. They could have sort of split the difference with the VAT on on hospitality and said, look, uh, we're going to not make eating out and staying out Mm. as expensive as we planned, uh, but we're going to make polluting more expensive and you know spend, sp- sp- save your money do less pollution and go and mm. spend it in the hospitality sector where, you, where we won't raise the VAT as much
3: Well I has asked Regina Doherty if uh, Leo Varadkar had promised last August uh, that there would be a carbon tax in this budget and she said well he didn't quite say that and she also said uh, that uh, if you introduce a measure like this well then people are going to have to pay for it uh, but there are ways of offsetting that for people who can't uh, afford these type of increases and perhaps you'd outline for us the type of increases that a carbon tax what have meant in terms of people's outgoings.
0: Well, for, sh- for sure, I will do that. But I would, I would also add, and I will do that now in a second, that it's a false choice she's putting up there when she says, if you raise the carbon tax, people will have to pay. You've mentioned it. We're facing fines. So people are going to have to pay, uh, as like we as a society are going to have to pay one way or the other. And the choice actually is, look, we can have a carbon tax, which will make diesel and petrol and home heating oil more expensive. Mm. Uh, and make pollution more expensive, and, uh, but by doing that we'll have lower pollution, lower fines, and we will pay the fines on a polluter-pays basis, and the more you pollute, the more you'll contribute to paying the fines. Or we can not have a carbon tax, and our pollution will be higher, and we'll just pay the fines out of your PAYE and out of your USC and out of your VAT, but you won't go down because we'll need the money to pay the fines, and it doesn't matter then how much you make an effort, to, to reduce your own pollution we won't reward you and anyway you'll st- we'll still take just as much money off you as the next person who doesn't make any effort uh, to pay those fines so it's a false choice the choice isn't between paying and not paying
3: and i think you were I mean, suggesting that would be about three cent on a, a litre of fuel and a euro on a, a bag of coal correct yeah. and for people who, who can't afford those type of increases uh, there could be mitigating measures put in place
0: So the things you should do to to counterbalance those price increases, first of all, um, we need absolutely to protect the most vulnerable. So you would make sure that the fuel allowance keeps pace with those costs. You'd listen to the St. Vincent de Paul and the others who are dealing with those those vulnerable sectors of society. It's not about hitting them. You do also however, need to use some of the revenue then to help them improve their homes because they often tend to be living in the leakiest homes that are the least comfortable, that have the the least comfortable kind of heating as well. Because... You know, modern heating, 21st century heating that doesn't involve any boilers, when you get a deep retrofit of your home, it has an air source heat pump usually, and it's a much more stable temperature, it's a much more cleaner air. We've even said, you know, there's, there's, there's evidence that, that for people with asthma and so on, it's just much more pleasant to live in that kind of house. So we need to invest money, uh, and not just money, but it kind of, it's, it's, it's a project management support to help, first of all, um, people living in fuel poverty uh, have those changes made to their houses, uh, and then we need to incentivize the rest of us to do it as well and support us. So there are some grants out there. As important as the grants is the, um, uh, the, the, the project support. So there's places like the Tipperary Energy Agency and others, but they're the ones who kind of have their gold standard. They come, they help you audit your house. I mean, they, do, they organize the audit for you. They then get, and you decide what you need to do to your house. So then they then they get three contractors, and they get the quotes from them, and they sit down with you, and all you have to do is decide which one, which builder to go with, but from a pre-approved list that they help you get, they help apply for the grant. Mm. And so they kind of hold your hand along the way, which I know myself from having the minimal amount of stuff done in my house that's the headache okay. like, who to trust
3: but um. it won't be happening this time round obviously uh, but we have to leave it there for the moment and thank you indeed for joining us Cockland Coughlin is uh, the Director of Friends of the Earth Ireland now it is uh, the day after the budget but it's also Wednesday which means that the local newspapers are in the shops as uh, they usually are Marie Kearns is here to tell us what's on the front pages and we begin with uh, a budget story uh, but not uh, the one announced by Pascal Donahue yesterday
6: that's right Michael most of the papers would have gone to bed before the, the budget stuff came out so it's it's, it's nearly a budget free zone but as you say it's not a good news story for anyone waiting for a new hip because the Meads Chronicle is reporting today that there's no budget for replacement hips at Our Lady's Hospital in Navin. According to the Chronicle story, local patients enduring lengthy and painful waits for hip replacement surgery have been told they won't be operated on this year. The paper quotes Navin GP and Green Park Party spokesperson for health Dr. Seamus McManaman who says patients have told me that the budget for artificial hips is now used up and as a result they can't have their operations until 2019.
3: Okay, drug dealers budgets on uh, the front of uh, the drug independent and uh, demanding to get paid.
6: Yes, that's the story Michael that we covered yesterday with councillor P.O. Smith uh, local mod- mothers being targeted by drug dealers. The midland edition of the paper though has a story that's it's, it's a local, a real local story in the town of RD concerning parking, which I suppose is something that's been experienced everywhere. But in this case, Hubert Murphy is revealing that traffic wardens could return as commuters continue to flout the two-hour parking limit in the town. According to the story, RD traders and Superintendent Des McTiernan are to meet in a bid to solve the parking cases chaos in the town, with Traders Chief John Little asking what is the point in bylaws if they are not enforced.
3: And the Drogheda Leader is reporting on how people in Bettystown are afraid to drink the water from their taps.
6: That's right. This is a dispute between residents in the Bettystown area and Irish Water, making the subject of the lead story of the Drogheda Leader with Des Grant reporting that a war of words has broken out between locals and Irish Water, with the residents saying that they have tested the water independently and it is not drinkable, while the company responded by saying it has chemical problems okay, but it is safe to drink.
3: Okay, violence on the streets of uh, Dundalk making the lead in the Democrat.
6: Yes, this is a spate of late night attacks that is causing huge huge concern. The Dundalk Democrat is reporting that Gardaí have made an appeal for information following a third serious late night assault on Rampart Lane in Dundalk in the last month. The latest one being Thursday involving a female who was assaulted and robbed by three to four males who knocked her unconscious. In Interestingly, Michael, in the Dundalk Democrat this week, there is a special souvenir pullout commemorating the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the SS Dundalk, which was torpedoed just weeks before the end of World War One, with the loss of 20 lives. So, lots of reading mm, in that. Okay.
3: and I'm sure there's some people who'll be very interested in that uh, to the leader, and again uh, they're looking at uh, some of uh, these uh, attacks. Uh, yes, it's also there.
6: focusing on mm. that dreadful attack on the Rampart Lane, and it's also covering Dundalk's success on the soccer field, it dominates page two of the paper as it reports on the Lily White's draw on Friday night in Oriel Park, which earned them a 13th league title, which of course resulted in great celebrations in the town over the weekend. Uh, and
3: makes for the front of the Argus.
6: <laughs> yes, as they say a picture paints a thousand words and you really can't. It does in this case on the front page of the Argus, a fantastic photo uh, of um the Champions, I suppose, it features Dundalk manager Stephen Kenney with Gary Rogers and Michael Duffy after they clinched that Premier Division title. Okay. Uh, also, the paper leaves with a Brexit warning from Chief Super Christy Mangan, who told the annual general meeting of the Dundalk Joint Policing Committee that while he had a plan for policing following Brexit, it would take a lot of resources, resources that he doesn't have.
3: Okay, thanks for that, Marie. Uh, interesting stories that people might want to comment on, and indeed you We'll be back with our comments in just a, a short while. If uh, people do want to get you in, in touch with you about those stories or something else they've been hearing, or if they want to raise an issue with us, eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight. 958, as always, our telephone number. Michael,
5: Michael Reed on, on LMFM.
3: FM. Motions... Don't build houses, but does Fianna Falls support for the government build houses? Let's talk about this with Shane Castle's Fianna Fáil TD for Mead West, uh, because Fianna Fáil said it would put its stamp on this budget and would deliver an affordable housing scheme, and it's managed to drum up €14 million Euro out of the €1,500 million Euro allocated yesterday. That's on top of the €75 million that was already in place, and we'll see 6,000 houses built Over three years, it's pretty dismal, is it not, Shane Castles? Uh,
2: Good morning, Michael. And um, I suppose what we've seen over the last couple of years, Michael, is you know, on budget day, uh, money announced. But what has been failing over the last two and a half years is delivery on those uh, announcements of money. And I think that was the key point that both Michael McGrath and Barry Cowan were making yesterday. That we now need to see action from all of the various ministers, but in particular in terms of housing uh, from the schemes that were announced. Now, there was only actually 25 million, Michael, from that um, affordable scheme was announced earlier this year, so it's actually gone up from 25 to 100 million, and it's not just in one year, because the government didn't want to engage in this, it was Fianna mm. who brought him to the table on this, and it's a multi-annual programme over three years, so it's 300 million euro, and I think that is a key point. Well, because, it,
3: because we it's need 89 million euro next year, and there was 75 million already allocated for the service site initiative for 2019, is that yeah. not correct?
2: No, no, they, they only had 25 million in the Affordable Housing Scheme, there's other aspects to that And the well. service
3: site initiative. There were 75 million allocated. That's been increased to 89 million. An additional 14 million euro.
2: No, no. There was only 25 for the affordable housing scheme that they had in the budget, Michael, and that's gone up to 100 million And over three years. It's a multi-annual programme to 300 million. And in conjunction, okay. and this is for, this, this, can I just make this point? This is in conjunction with things like the, uh, in, the infrastructure improvement scheme that's going to open up these sites. We have seen no delivery on that. There was money allocated for sites in Ratote and Navin to actually open up these sites and make them available for housing. And they've not spent that money. So we can have, we can have discussions and you'll have other yep. TVs on okay. talking about money announcements. All day long. We,
3: we can do the that all day long and we can confuse people. No, you're I'm saying not, trying, it's not, I'm, you're I'm saying, not saying it wasn't, se- well, well, you were saying that it wasn't 75 million, that it was 25 million. But let's, let's, let's take that at face value and that it was 25 million, but it's now 89 million. Uh, what's going to happen as a result of that money? 6,000 affordable houses over the next three years. It's yes. really a, a drop in the ocean, isn't yeah,
2: it? Yeah, and that's because there has been no action from the government over the previous seven to eight years. And they've been firefighting and not dealing with the issue. And they've allowed this issue uh, emanate. And I've heard Peter McFerry say on RTE television the other night that there was no semblance of this housing crisis in 2011 and homelessness. And it has just spiralled out of control over the last seven to eight years. Fianna Fáil
3: voted in support of a motion last week which would give a, a, a constitutional right to housing. It, it declared it to be a, an emergency. It promised to double the capital budget and promised to stop people being evicted from rental accommodation into homelessness. Uh, uh, did you uh, just vote for that for the sake of it or did you uh, intend to deliver on those promises?
2: And 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 we would if we were in government, Michael, and we're trying to influence this very right-wing government to bring them back and actually deliver on those very issues. Now, unlike a lot of the other people who actually voted for that motion, the difference is we're in there trying to negotiate and get the government to change tact. So simple things yesterday that also happened that won't be getting the headlines is the fact that there has been change... Just just let me understand
3: what you're saying. Just let me understand what you're saying. You're you're saying you voted for a motion, but you couldn't get the government to deliver on it. But you wouldn't vote for the other motion that would have brought down the government, which was the confidence motion Murphy. What's the difference?
2: What we're saying, Michael, very clearly is we're trying to influence this government. We had signed up for three budgets.
3: But you, you, you voted for one motion and you said you couldn't deliver on it. You, you didn't vote for the other motion that you could have delivered on is Isn't that right?
2: As I said, Michael, we voted for a motion to try and actually influence this government and change their tack. But you're telling us this
3: thing. morning you couldn't do it. You had two weeks no, no. of negotiation.
2: No, 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 Michael. No, Michael. You, you keep making this mistake to think that we're in government. We are not. We are not on the far side in terms of the ministerial benches, and we are trying to get these guys to change their tact and move them away from their policies that have failed over the last seven But you're telling us this morning show that you couldn't people, do it. Show, show people how we would do things. But we isn't, it,
3: isn't it mad that Fianna Fáil says, we put our stamp all over this government, and then when you're questioned on it, you say, well, we couldn't get them to think our way.
2: No, I didn't say that, Michael. You're saying that. Your words... I mean, you're, you're, you're doing a good run this morning and putting words into people's mouths. What I am saying quite clearly is that we are moving uh, our policies to the people to show them how we would do things differently if we were in government. Our commitment would be to, to affordable housing schemes, which, by the way, the government didn't have at all until we put it on the table. Is it enough? No, it's not enough. And we would pump more money into it if we were in that position, because we want to see those kind of schemes that people who actually have an income but don't qualify um for social houses can actually get on the property ladder and have a home and that's the difference michael we're there trying to influence that yes it's a drop in the ocean it's a drop in the ocean because over the last seven to eight years these guys have been doing nothing to address that and allowed it to spiral out of control and it's trying to bring them back from that brink okay. and actually get them to change
3: but you said and actually build homes you said you would make this a housing budget Will it make any difference
2: it's, of course it's going to make a difference, Michael. If you allocate funds and actually try and uh, get schemes that build homes, of course it's going to make a 6, difference.
3: 6,000 homes. There,
2: was, there, were, uh, there were also actually um, changes made yesterday in terms of the process for county councils and putting the onus back on them. So you've had councillors on... Uh, many, many times mm. over the last number of months talking about what you'd call the four-stage process and it gets bogged down in bureaucracy trying to get the money out of the department to actually build homes because there was a cap of €2 million Euro on that. That four-stage process has been now reduced to one stage for schemes up to €6 million, which means the councils can now go and get schemes of 25 to 30 homes without having to go through all this bureaucracy mm. and that should speed things up. The point being that if you allocate money on budget day, the key thing then is how long does it take from that point to actually actually delivering an actual uh, council housing estate. And that's the key point. There's no point having announcements on budget days unless you're actually going and delivering. And we made that a key point yesterday. And it's up to the people then to judge whether this government is delivering. I quite frankly don't believe that they're delivering to the, to the levels that they need to be. And that's why we're saying what we would do and how we would do it differently.
3: All right, we have to leave there. Thank you Thank indeed you. for joining us this morning. Fianna TD for Mead West, Shane Castles.
5: Michael Reed on
3: LMFM. Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns joins us with some of the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you,
6: Marie. And lots of them, Michael. Okay. How much time do we have? <laughs> okay. Liam <laughs> wonders why people who have home care packages and would like to mind their family at home are being persecuted as he puts it. He said that there is all this money going to extending nurses' home and building new ones and he thinks that more should be allocated to those who want to mind relatives from their home. Una, who is part of the Widows Group, has welcomed the Christmas bonus for pensioners. She said that she is delighted that it has been put back to the full double pension this Christmas and added that it is probably the only bit of extra money the pensioners do get. Jim from RD wants to know what happened to the tax money we were meant to be getting from Apple. He asks, are we not going to tax the rich people or are they untouchable? He adds that anyone with a bit of sense, would we'll be getting out of this country.
3: All right. Well, the Apple money is uh, in an account. Uh, it's uh, being held there safely, I'm sure, until there is a ruling on it uh, by the European Court of Justice, I think, which will ultimately adjudicate on whether it, it was uh, paid unfairly to Apple uh, by the state. Uh, but uh, we will have to take it back if that was the case.
6: Um, John from Navan said he heard Regina Doherty speak about the Irish, but he wonders what about the immigrants? He wonders, are they going to get nothing? Another listener, Teresa from Meath, mm. said that she heard suggestions that elderly people with big houses should share their houses, and she wonders what would happen if one of those people were to die. Would that make. Problems for those who would usually benefit. She thinks that people who have worked hard all their lives, built their houses and filled them with memories shouldn't be mm. asked to downsize.
3: OK, but well, I, I think the idea is that it would be an option, but I, I wouldn't hold your breath at the same time.
6: John from Trim, he says that he's disappointed that Leo Varadkar did not follow through on his promise to look after people who get up early in the mornings for work. He said that while he doesn't know everyone's situation, he adds that there are people in need. Sometimes people with rent supplements, he says, he feels are getting large amounts of money, whereas those who are getting up early to work don't get the same supports. And he thinks that this is shameful. And he feels that the budget didn't look after the people who are looking after the country.
3: OK, like. well, I, I suppose that you're talking about two different things, really, because if you're talking about, let's say, increasing somebody's dole, that's increasing their income. If you're talking about cutting taxes, uh, well, that will increase what you take home, but you can also increase your income by getting a pay rise.
6: Jim from Drogheda says he doesn't know why you have Minister Regina Doherty on, because she destroys you every time she's on. She was saying that she gives people everything. Well, Jim says, I'm 75, I've worked all my life, and I paid my taxes. And he says that social people on social welfare, um, him and him an old age pensioner, he got a fiver. Yet she gave extra money to asylum seekers who already get everything paid and are just getting expenses to live on. He says, by the time I pay everything, I pay, I don't have that much left to live on.
3: Okay, well, I think he can look forward to uh, an extra five euro in uh, the pension, uh, an additional. Uh, fuel allowance, uh, an additional week of the fuel allowance and uh, the full Christmas bonus as well.
6: Michael, did I hear Regina Doherty say something about Fiona Fall? A texter wants to know.
3: Uh, I think she might have, yeah.
6: I wonders does Regina maybe need to go to the doctor in jest this listener mm, was saying. Why? She thinks mm. that uh, This listener thinks that uh, Regina must be totally confused after the budget yesterday because in this listener's view it wasn't a good budget. If you work it seems that everything is taken off you. If you're on the dole, you get everything. Not a very good incentive.
3: All right. Well, the minister said everybody's getting a little bit back. Uh, and uh, that's with thanks to the responsible attitude adopted by Fianna Fáil in supporting the government.
6: John from Dinor says that climate change has been around a long, long before diesel and petrol, carbon, emissions, etc. Shall we have the ice age that's wiped out the dinosaurs? Storms have been around for as long as Earth existed, says John. Mm. Uh, another listener, Seamus from Dro- from Drogheda, yes, was listening to your discussion.
5: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you
7: They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
6: On the budget, I don't think any provision has been made for the pension anonymously. He says that... Um That's anomaly. I'm saying it wrong now. I'm going to get it wrong every time. Anomaly, anomaly. Mm -hmm. Michael Mm -hmm. um, says that my wife gave up her job when and suffered. You know when she got her pension. Is getting? He's getting thirty euro more a week. Uh, because she gave up work to have her two children and he thought that some provision was going to be made to address this and was disappointed had been hoping that you might ask her about it and maybe you might follow this up again because a lot of people are wondering what's happening in relation to that. Okay. Uh, Eugene was in touch and Eugene is disappointed that more money wasn't given to the defence forces to try and address the pay problem there. Says that the guardie appear to have got far more and says that the government is well aware of how dangerous the low numbers are in the defence forces that people are leaving and that there's very low morale and hopefully that this will be looked at again. Charlie from Navin says, do you remember the iodine tablets, Michael? Do you remember the ones mm. that they, they got
3: for nuclear? For nuclear? Yeah, mm-hmm.
6: And he's wondering now with all this talk of um, global warming should the government supply us with very good sunglasses, maybe some really good mm. sun cream, maybe a life jacket, mm. maybe a very good helmet to wear on our head for the stuff that might be dropping on us during the hurricanes. He thinks it's a joke that there was no provision in relation to carbon tax. Okay. Mm. Paddy from Navin uh, listening to Regina Doherty. Does she think people as as Paddy puts it, are horrid eejits. She's on about affordable housing, but there's no room for affordable housing because all the land, as I see it, has been bought up by developers and they're building private houses and they're going to charge through the roof for people to buy those houses. He thinks that Regina is in dreamland, that they just are not investing enough in housing Mm. that people can afford.
3: Well, there will be uh, affordable housing, 6,000 units over the next uh, three years Uh, and uh, I think therein lies uh, the criticism of the measure announced yesterday because uh, as Shane Castle said himself it's a a drop in the ocean
6: Seamus from Kells listening in to your discussion with Regina Doherty and he says it must be wonderful to live in the world that Regina lives in. All this talk about housing no attempt to tackle housing problem in this country 75% of those on the housing list cannot afford to buy a house because Michael they are in low paid jobs or precarious jobs and they haven't a chance or a hope of saving a deposit or getting a mortgage they have to build public housing that's the only answer um, say Seamus from Kells Okay Uh, Another listener says, again, this is about the pension, that there was talk of it being reviewed, wondering what is happening. Another listener, can you ask Michael to ask the Minister why people are still waiting after 18 months for social welfare payments from her department? Uh, Another listener says that the all petrol and diesel prices went up a couple of cents in the last couple of days, Michael, pre-budget, no control whatsoever. So that's another listener. Mm, okay. uh, Pat and that boy phones in, phoned in, and Pat wants to stand up for small hairdressers in small towns and villages. Pat says that they are not making the money that they are making maybe in the big cities and towns. A lot of them can't afford to charge the type of money that they do in the big city and towns and says that it's a disgrace in relation to the VAT change. And he feels that a lot of hairdressers are already just hanging in there and he thinks that this could wipe a lot of them out. Mm -hmm. So lots coming in. we have your time for a couple more. Oh, I'm sure
3: we do, yeah. (laughs) Mm.
6: Paddy from Kells says that Ireland is only a tiny speck in the ocean and says there are millions and millions of tonnes of coal being burned in other countries around the world. He asks why we should be world leaders in this when we are only small and it might end up impoverishing our country. John uh, say, rang in to say that he was very happy that he slept through the budget. Mm. He says that he is delighted with Regina Doherty and the work she has done in particular with the fuel allowance. He says that she is the best minister in Leinster House.
3: OK, well, I, I'm sure there won't be any arguments from Rhett
6: uh, another listener got in touch, Joan, just to say, Michael, I've been looking at the budget and I really don't think it's going to take, make that much difference to me and my lot. When you when you add in one thing, something else is taken out. So it really is a case, says Joan, of giving with one hand when we all say that and taking away with the other. Uh, just moving away for the budget, if I can, for a moment, just to the cervical check, because we did have some calls in relation to that Christine uh, from Black Rock and County Loud says that she's been hearing that the government is in talks with the Cervical Test Centre in the US and she doesn't agree with that at all. She says that those centres that were involved in the incorrect smear tests she would not avoid having any contracts with them and she would be looking to agree a new contract somewhere else. She feels that we shouldn't be looking for their services because of what has happened to so many I'm not
3: sure that that is uh, the case. Uh, Dr Scally uh, certainly uh, said uh, that he was very satisfied uh, with uh, the labs that are carrying out the tests now and would have every confidence in them. There is a question about what will happen if uh, the government doesn't That's manage right. uh, to uh, f- further the contracts with them uh, and the whole screening process is in doubt if a contract isn't in place by the weekend.
6: OK, and finally, just a listener in relation to the hip operations in Our Lady's Hospital in Navan, and is wondering why they cannot look at maybe extending operations at the weekends just to try and cope with the demand.
3: OK, thanks for that and uh, thanks to everybody who has been in touch with us for that matter. Marie, if people would like to add to what's been said, I'm sure you'd love to hear from them and our telephone number is 1850
5: Michael Michael Reed Reed on on LMFM. LMFM.
3: Now, Sinn Féin's uh, spokesperson on finance, uh, Pierre Stoherty, was unrelenting in his criticism of uh, the budget when he took to his uh, feet in uh, the doll yesterday. Sinn Féin's deputy finance spokesperson, Jonathan O'Brien, joins, joins us now. Good morning to you and thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, why so critical of government given the significant improvements that they've made in the lives of people on welfare and on low
1: pay? Well, I think people will be waking up this morning, Michael, to the realisation that they have a couple of euro extra in their pay packet or a couple of euro extra in their social welfare payments. But as a result of the budget, if we take it in the round, they're going to be paying more for a cup of coffee. They're going to be paying more for a cinema ticket. They're going to be paying more for a meal if they can afford to have a meal out. They're going to be um, under increased pressure in terms of uh, Rents.
3: Why are they going um, to be paying more in uh, terms of coffee or uh, cinema tickets?
1: Because the VAT rate has gone from 9% back up to 13.5%. And do you right not across.
3: believe uh, that the coffee shops and the cinemas won't be able to absorb that difference? Uh, because that was the original rate. Uh, uh, the reduced rate was introduced as a, a jobs initiative, uh, and so the country has since recovered.
1: Yes, I think if anyone, uh, particularly in government, thinks that, those small businesses are going to uh, absorb that four and a half percent increase in VAT and not pass it on to their customers I think they're they to be honest I think they're a bit deluded I mean it's going to be passed on to the customers there is no doubt about that
3: do you not think that it'll just come off uh, their profit margin
1: <sighs> see the the four and a half percent um you know if we're talking about the bed sector and the major hotel chains yes they are making massive profits but your local hairdresser or your local cafe shop uh, I, I, you know these businesses are still struggling with increased energy costs and um, increased rents commercial rates so i doubt very much that a lot of these smaller businesses these smaller restaurants these family-owned businesses are raking in the profits
3: So you're happy enough uh, to restore the rate uh, for the accommodation sector?
1: Absolutely, yes. I think for the accommodation sector, um, I think hotels, particularly in the capital, are absolutely booming. It's almost impossible to get a a hotel bed in Mm -hmm. the capital. And if you do get one, you're paying astronomical prices. There is an issue in the regions and in particularly the border areas, uh, with Brexit coming down the line, um, and a lot, you would have a lot of family owned businesses, uh, small hotels, who will find it more difficult to absorb that increase. Uh, but unfortunately, um, you cannot um, regionalize VAT. You either increase it right across the country or you don't increase it at all. And I think that increasing it for the bed sector uh, was a step in the right direction, but increasing it back up for smaller restaurants, uh, museums, uh, cinemas, hairdresser, beauty salons mm. was uh, a very uh, re- retrograde step.
3: Okay, uh, but would you not give credit where it's due in uh, that uh, all welfare recipients will see a €5 euro increase and indeed uh, the Christmas bonus is being restored I- in fall. That will make a, a significant difference to people, won't it?
1: Of course. I mean, any increases in social welfare payments or in the minimum wage is to be welcome. Uh, I think they could have gone a little bit more um, in the social welfare payments uh, and in the minimum wage. Um, but I think if you if you look at the overall budget, mm. uh, you have to say that uh, you know the biggest focus, uh, the biggest social crisis that we're facing, is in housing. And this budget did absolutely nothing to alleviate the housing crisis. OK, and we'll
3: come back to that in a moment uh, because uh, we've spent a, a lot of time with government uh, critiquing the measures uh, that were announced yesterday. But there's an increase in the home carer tax credit from €300 euro to €1,500. Euro, uh, an extra €25 euro in the back-to-school clothing and footwear allowance. Uh, there's uh, funding for early learning and childcare, threshold to access the affordable childcare scheme is to be increased, there's additional parental leave, uh, and uh, there's a, a lot of money to be spent in justice and recruiting some 800 Gardaí. I mean, there are some very positive aspects to what they're going to do with this €1.5 billion. Euro.
1: Of course, I mean, it's €1.5 and if you have €1.5 billion at your, at your disposal, then obviously you are going to see some improvements. But I mean, you have to look at the figures. I mean, the government had more money at their disposal which they decided not to spend and only for the fact that they found uh, a billion euro in additional corpor- uh, corporation tax um, they wouldn't have been able to do a lot of this we're putting 500 million in a rainy day fund in case we have a housing crisis tomorrow according to the government or in case we have a health crisis tomorrow I mean we have we have those crises now And, you know, the Rainy Day Fund is a completely different animal. We put in FOI requests into the department around the establishment of the Rainy Day Fund. Mm -hmm. And the answers that we've got back from the department through the FOI tell us that any money put into the Rainy Day Fund cannot be used to deal with housing, cannot be used to deal with health, cannot be used uh, for capital projects further down the line. In fact... Under the fiscal rules set down by the EU, the access to the rainy day fund can only be done on three bases. One is to tackle the immigration crisis. Uh, two is to tackle uh, terrorist offences. And the third option for accessing a rainy day fund outside of the fiscal rules is actually the possibility of bailing out banks. So, we're
3: Or an unanticipated economic shock such as a no-deal Brexit.
1: No, no. Uh, the, the FOA was very clear that we cannot use rainy day fund to offset any shock from Brexit.
3: OK, well, Brexit, a shock from Brexit could probably or possibly tick the three boxes that you've mentioned in, in terms of immigration, terrorism and problems with the banks.
1: Not according to the Freedom of Information um, documentation that we've got back uh, in terms of the briefings being given to the Minister for Finance.
3: Okay, but as you say, we have a crisis at the moment uh, and you'd have liked that money to be spent on housing. But the government is, it says, uh, going to deliver 10,000 new social homes next year. uh, And it's hard to argue with that, isn't it?
1: Well, first of all, they're not going to deliver 10,000 social homes. We've heard this last year, we've heard it the year before. We've seen so many targets when it comes to this government in relation to housing and have yet to meet one of them. In fact, the 10,000 figure, 9,500 of those houses had been previously announced under the rebuild in Ireland. The only additional houses uh, which the government uh, are saying that they're going to build now as a result of the budget yesterday is in the region of 500 uh, additional houses. And when they talk about social housing, they're not talking about new builds They're talking about a combination of build, lease, um, HAP, rental loans. um, And, I mean, if you look at the budget for for, for HAP... Mm. Uh, it's increasing by 180 million.
3: I, I put that uh, to Minister Regina Doherty earlier in the programme uh, because it was Pierce Doherty who was suggesting that 490 houses would be delivered next year. And she says, I, I don't know how you make 490 out of 10,000. Uh, regardless of whether they were announced previously or not, 10,000 houses are going to be delivered next year.
1: No, but that's simply natural. 10,000 houses are not going to be delivered next year. You will have um, many of those properties are actually going to be relying on the private market, the private sector, to, to to fix this crisis. There is no, no, this is a fact. There is not one affordable house going to be built next year. There is not one affordable to rent house going to be built next year. There is not one. Um, affordable property going to be coming on the market in terms of local authorities. Mm. There is no affordable housing well, next year. Well, that's and not we,
3: what the Minister said to us. She said uh, between the local authorities and the housing agencies uh, there'll be 10,000 uh, new social houses delivered next year.
1: I wouldn't believe the Minister if she told me today was Wednesday because we've heard all of this before and they have yet to meet one single target. I mean, this is the same government who have started reclassifying uh, Homeless people, and if without those reclassifications, we would be uh, sitting on a figure of twelve thousand people homeless today. As it is, we have ten thousand people homeless; four thousand of them are children. So, this government has no credibility when it comes to fixing the housing crisis. In fact, the measures they took yesterday in the budget—I mean—would benefit landlords. It doesn't benefit renters, hard-pressed renters.
3: Okay, well, we've run out of time, so we leave there. And thank you for your time and for joining us uh, this morning. Sinn Fein's junior spokesperson on finances, Jonathan O'Brien.
5: Michael Michael Reid on on LMFM. LMFM.
3: Now, Regina Doherty told us earlier in the programme that Peter McVeary has his opinion on the budget and the Minister said he's entitled to his opinion. So let's find out what his opinion is because I spoke to Peter before we came on air today and I asked him if he thought that the measures announced in yesterday's budget would help to bring about an end to homelessness. (laughs)
8: Well, actually, it implies that homelessness is going to continue to increase next year. There is an extra 60 million capital spending on homelessness next year, which means that the government are planning to open more and more hostels. For homeless people, and there's an extra 30 million for homeless services. So implicitly, the government are implying that homelessness is going to increase uh, next year. I mean, the money is welcome. Uh, homeless people should not be on the street. Homeless people should be under a roof and under a decent sort of roof. But implicitly, uh, homelessness is, is seen as increasing next year, and that's
3: a real worry. now that 60 million will be spent on emergency shelters, hostels, and the like. Because because of uh, the increase in people who face sleeping on the streets not those in emergency accommodation which itself poses its own problems
8: yeah no this is extra uh, funding for, uh, for, for for emergency accommodation There's no one issue that I keep coming back to, but nobody seems to be uh, interested in. The quality of emergency uh, accommodation is very, very poor. And until we address that issue, you're not going to get everybody off the streets. A lot of people on the streets simply refuse to go into emergency accommodation because it's shared accommodation. They don't know who they're going to be sharing a room with. Very often it's active drug users or it's people who are threatening them, people who are robbing them. And uh, some homeless people just simply say, I'm not going near those emergency shelters. So until we address not just the number of beds available, but the quality of the emergency beds available, we're never going to end rough sleeping. And and that Mm. issue of quality of emergency beds doesn't seem to be being discussed by anybody in authority.
3: But uh, at the same time, you're contending uh, that uh, the intention to spend another 60 million euro is in itself an admission of failure.
8: That's what I say. That's that's how I read it. Uh, I would have hoped that funding for emergency accommodation would be reducing rather than increasing because we would be on top of the the, the homeless crisis and we would Begin to see it uh, the number of homeless people
3: reducing. All right, well, that 60 million is out of what transpired to be (coughs) 1,500 million that was uh, available to the government, and out of that 1,500 million euro that the government will be spending next year, 80 million uh, will be spent building houses.
8: Yeah, I yes, I'm not sure. I mean, my concern is particularly for social and affordable houses. There is a, a, an allocation of $300 million, uh, for affordable housing scheme. However, the reality is that in the past 20 years in this country, we have not built a single affordable house. Mm. Last year, there was no affordable houses. The year before, there was no. And I don't uh, know what the government even means by affordable houses. I think what they mean is something that's forty, fifty thousand 50,000 below the market rent, but that still leaves houses unaffordable to the vast majority of the, of the population. Mm, I think However, they're talking
3: about in the region of 240,000, aren't they, for people who are earning 50,000 or less or couples who are earning 75,000 or less? Uh, but that's over the course of uh, the next three years, 89 uh, million allocated to next year. Uh, but that's. Uh on foot of 75 million that had already been allocated under the service site initiative. So the reality is that 14 million euro is being uh, given over to social housing or to affordable housing, rather.
8: Yes, it's, it's uh, affordable housing is really a uh, Key, uh, dem- a key issue in this because there are so many people who are stuck in the private rented sector they don't qualify for social housing because their income is too high their income is too low to be able to get a mortgage, and they're stuck in the private rented sector where rent's increasing all the time and with the insecurity of not knowing when the landlord's going to come along and say he's selling the house and they have to leave so a proper affordable housing scheme to my mind is is just as important as a
3: a social housing scheme And when the government has an additional 1.5 billion euro to spend are you disappointed that it allocated 14 million to that scheme?
8: Uh. Well, I am. I think the affordable housing scheme. They've 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 uh, they've allocated one point two five billion to social housing, which is. Uh, I think the affordable housing is at the moment just as important to people as the as the social housing. Well, a lot they've,
3: of that money, of course, will be spent leasing and renting out properties.
8: Well, that yes, we don't know how much, but 1.25 billion for new social homes. They say there are going to be ten thousand new social homes next year. Uh, some of them will be built, some of them will be uh, bought, and some of them will be leased. But in the reality, 1.25 billion will not produce anything like 10,000 new social homes Mm. uh, next year. And it's in that context. I mean, uh, last year we built 780 social houses. The year before we built 247 social Mm. houses. The year before we built 75 social houses. Mm. And now there's suddenly a huge jump to 10,000 social houses to be built,
3: uh, bought, or or leased. Pierce Doherty was saying yesterday that uh, that would break down to 490 social Social houses being built by the state uh, next year, which uh, means uh, that nine and a half thousand houses uh, will go to the private uh, market. Uh,
8: well, I'm not sure. I haven't seen the uh, Pierce's figures, but. Uh I think if we're building new social houses, a new social house you're talking of about 250,000 you're talking of four uh, houses to 1 million so for uh, 1,000 million you're talking of uh, 4,000 social houses, not the 10,000 that the government have uh, have, have promised that will be, will be provided next year.
3: Okay but I, I suppose you could argue that if people need housing they need housing and it doesn't matter to some degree whether that's uh, a house uh, that they can call their own own, uh, a social uh, house uh, b- b- provided to them by the council, or if it's one uh, that the state pays the rent on. Uh, and the state has taken some steps to make sure that landlords stay in the market by making mortgage interest relief tax-free or 100% tax uh, refundable
8: yes they have and I, I actually welcome that I think a lot of people haven't but a landlord is, is, is in a commercial business and I think they should be treated the same way as any other commercial business which does get 100% uh, mortgage interest relief so uh, yes I actually welcome that uh, people argue that in uh, with rents at the level they are today uh, the, the state shouldn't be giving landlords any more money but I think it is, uh, it is worthwhile doing that
3: Will that stabilise or bring down the cost of renting for tenants, do you
8: think? Oh, not at all, no. <laughs> what they hope it will do is keep some landlords in the market who might otherwise be thinking of selling up. Uh, that's the. I think that's the, the, the purpose of the 100% mortgage interest relief. No, it won't bring rents down. There's no way it's going to bring rents rent down.
3: So rents will uh, remain at the all-time high that they are at or increase?
8: Well, to date, rents have been increasing uh, for the last few years. So uh, all the evidence suggests that uh, rents are going to increase for the foreseeable future. The only way rents can come down is if the supply of rented accommodation uh, increases, and there is no sign that that that's happening except at the higher end of the market. You have the investment funds coming in, buying up lots of property, and and renting those out. But they're in the 2,000, 2,500 a month category, which is uh, way, way beyond the the pockets of 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 the vast majority of people, so there is no sign of rents coming down in the foreseeable
3: future. And all of the focus on housing, of course, because there's 4,000 children or thereabouts who are homeless in the state, 10,000 people altogether, depending on how you count who is homeless and who is not. I think you put the figure recently at uh, about 15,000 if you count everybody uh, who uh, can't call a house their own home. Uh, But do you think uh, that those figures will change in the course of the next 12 months? Uh,
8: it's very difficult uh, to predict that they're going to decrease. I remember the Minister for Housing last Christmas <coughs> was asked on an RT television programme, could he give a guarantee that the number of homeless children this Christmas would be less than they were last Christmas and he said he couldn't give that guarantee and he was so right because the numbers have just uh, increased uh, hugely since last Christmas. There is no sign of homelessness uh, decreasing and uh, the fear is that uh, it will continue to increase and that's one of the things in the budget one of the urgent requirements is that we stop this flow into homelessness that's what's causing the increase, that's why more and more families are becoming homeless most of this flow is coming from the private rented sector, people and families being evicted uh, into homelessness, we've got to stop that flow if we're going to make any inroads on the on the homeless issue nothing in this budget uh, to address that it requires legislation it requires emergency legislation to make it illegal to put families particularly out onto the street uh, except in very very specific and unique circumstances but it should be made illegal it's what's not in the budget i think that, that worries me most there's nothing in the budget about land hoarding land hoarding is a huge problem at the moment Developers holding on to land because land is increasing in price by 14-15% per year they're holding on to that uh, so that they can sell it in a, a couple of years' time at a higher profit, and that's contributing to the lack of supply of, of housing. So there's nothing in the budget about, you know, the state has enough land. It owns enough land. Much of it has planning permission for residential use. Much of it is serviced. They have enough land to build more than one 100,000 social and affordable houses. And why they why they just don't uh, go on and, and, and start building houses uh, baffles me.
3: Father Peter McVerry is a Jesuit priest who, as you know, works with the homeless and I was speaking with Peter before we came on air today. Now, also as part of the budget announcements, 50 Cent has been put on the price of a packet of 20 cigarettes and that came into force from midnight last night. Benny Gilson, and spokesperson for Read retailers against smuggling is on the line. How do you think smokers will respond to, to being asked for 12 euro a pack now, I think it is?
7: Well, Michael, uh, I have to be honest, like an extra 50 cent uh, has push, is pushing us way out of uh, the hands of the ordinary individual, especially when they can buy the illegal cigarettes for less than half that at the present time. And we're looking at a decrease all the time in the revenue uh, or the estimated revenue that they will get. Like last year the government said they would get 87 million from the increase of 50 cent in the budget. This year they have it down to 59 million. You know, uh, we had a meeting with revenue only a few weeks back. And they told us that over the last seven years, the state have lost 1.7 billion in excise duty because of the smuggled cigarettes. You know, they're doing nothing with the smuggled cigarettes, but for the legitimate cigarettes that we are selling, they are crucifying us all of the time.
3: Yeah, but I I presume the shortfall is because there's fewer smokers to tax.
7: Uh, Not necessarily, Michael. You know, the the, uh, revenue can tell us that that actually smuggled cigarettes have gone up uh, by 3% the sale of smuggled cigarettes in the last 12 months. You know, but so like that, that's an indication of where the market shift is going. It's going away from the genuine retailer into the hands of the criminal.
3: Mm. But uh, uh, for two reasons, surely: One, fewer people are smoking, and a lot of the people who do smoke are also vaping.
7: Uh, yes, there are a, a number of people vaping, vaping at the present time, and they're still smoking. You know, I I would see it myself where people who vape at times when they go out, they have the vapour with them and uh, when they're at home, they're
1: smoking.
3: And your fear, obviously, is that this will lead to an increase in smuggling at a a time where we're looking at the prospect of a hard border. I take it that's all the more worrying for you.
7: That's quite correct. You know, there's no doubt in my mind it it will lead to an increase in smuggling. Every time there's an increase, we see it. That there's all a follow-up increase in the level of illegal cigarette sales. You know, it it, it goes without saying. You know, if you can buy a packet of cigarettes, for, now they're gone from between four fifty to five fifty a packet uh, illegally. Uh, if you can buy them at that price, you're not going to walk into me and pay twelve euro for a packet of cigarettes. Mm. But we're
3: not the most expensive, are we?
7: Uh, we are now the most expensive. In are Europe. we? Yes, we've gone past Norway, who were who were uh, 10 cent dearer than us. We've gone past them now. We were we were long we were long the dearest in the EU. Mm. You know, we were we were the dearest for the last five years, four years in the EU, uh, but we are now the dearest in Europe. Okay, uh,
3: and should people be paying 12 euro this morning?
7: Uh, no, 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 I don't believe that anybody should be paying €12 Euro this if, morning. If they're
3: asked to pay €12, Euro, what should they say to the shop uh, well, owner? Well, they
7: should say, to, to from, my, from uh, my perspective, they should tell the retailer, well, you, you didn't buy in cigarettes this yeah. morning, you know, by any manner or means, mm. you know, for uh, a day or two anyway. Uh, it shouldn't Or a uh, week
3: or two, perhaps.
7: Yeah, well, look, like in most mm. cases nowadays, Michael, unfortunately, most retailers are not buying their cigarettes direct because of the fact mm. that, that it would be tying up huge money.
3: If, in- if, if somebody asks for €12 Euro for a pack of cigarettes, uh, would you advise customers uh, to tell them that they're taking their trade elsewhere and not pay that price until, let's say, Monday of next week?
7: Uh, pro- provided they can find a retailer that hasn't increased it. Mm. No, it, it, it. It is not very easy to find them now, Michael, those who haven't increased it. There, were, there are retailers who only waited for the budget. And 12 o'clock last night, I guarantee to you that the, the prices were changed by them.
3: Yeah, yeah. But that's daylight robbery, isn't it?
7: Yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah. to me, it's wrong. Uh, mm. You know, I won't say it's robbery because as far as the government is co- are concerned, their attitude is, as from midnight, the price of, of a packet of cigarettes goes up. Okay. They spell it out clearly in that manner.
3: Okay, so well, it's, it's 50 cent for nothing, really. Yeah,
7: for it's correct. Salary. It's yeah. correct.
3: Okay. All right, it's Benny, correct. I have to leave it's there. Same
7: as if we have a water shortage tomorrow morning, as yeah. we had during the year, you will, have, you will find outlets who will uh, increase the price of their one, two, three, five-liter bottles of water just because there is a water shortage.
3: Okay, we have to leave it there, Benny. Thanks indeed for joining us. As always, Benny Gilson, and spokesperson for retailers against smuggling.
5: Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. on
3: LMFM. Ray Hayes is chief executive officer with the Irish Senior Citizens Parliament and joins us now, Ray. I suppose you could say it wasn't the best budget for pensioners, but it certainly wasn't the worst, was it?
9: No, I suppose not, Michael. Um, Good morning to you and your listeners. Um, um, We're we're still disappointed that the five euro per week is going to be paid in March, which reduces it. Um, Like we welcome any incremental increases, but we'd like to have seen the fuel allowance two additional weeks added to that. It's a means-tested payment, and we think um, that's important, you Mm. know. Um, We were pleased about the reduction in the prescription charges. Mm. And, um, and also in the threshold for the drugs payment. But in relation to people who live alone, we had looked for a situation that, um, they would be looked at, particularly those who are over 80. And in that respect, um, we had asked for an additional payment there. But we also feel that for some of these, um, uh, Thresholds that they should be halved. So, for example, on the prescription charges for one person, it should be ten. For um, the um, thresholds, mm. that it should be um, uh, down to 62 now for um, a person who lives alone, because it's hard for them to get up to the 124. Um, uh, some of Pensioners will benefit. Um, those who have um, higher incomes or whatever mm. will benefit from the reductions in tax and also in the universal social charge, and um, that's to be welcomed. And, and
3: also um, in uh, access the threshold for the GP card uh, for those under seventy.
9: Yes, and for and for um, their. Um, like it's worth everybody's while because we find this when we talk to people. Yeah. It can look very complicated, but it is worthwhile. And um, people seeing if if they have a card because they're over seventy or whatever. Um, to check and see if they're dependents, or just to check and see if you're if you're between sixty six and sixty nine, and if you're over, if you're over seventy, if you can get that because that's that's very important as well. Hmm. Um, and the
3: pension increase uh, doesn't kick in till March, uh, but that's twelve months after the last increase. Cause, I know. So you could I argue, think. I suppose, that it's an annual increase at this stage.
9: Yes, but we, we find a lot of people keep saying to us, like it is a rolling one and they keep saying things about um, you know the fact that uh, they're losing out and it's worth 470 or whatever but as you say it is year on year um, just to say as well that there were I mean uh, a number of things that we had expected that there would be more traction on as you know um, um, they, have, uh, they have increased the health budget but mm-hmm. we haven't got enough detail about what's going to happen about that and
3: you'll be hoping and, that there'll be an improvement uh, to home care
9: well, home care is the big issue there, and I mean, there's been a lot of work done. There was the consultation, but like we're waiting. I mean, um, I I kind of. Go into despair a bit about health, and I know everybody within the services is working as hard as they can, but we really need to grasp the nettle and do something positive about it. Because if people can be cared for in their own homes, that's going to make everything better, but that's dependent on how good their homes are. And as you know, there were a number of areas that were signalled perhaps for older people about grants to help them to adapt their home for somebody else to live there and that might have helped with caring but we haven't heard about that and um, we're not sure um, how many people want to do that but we do think it's important that that something happens about primary care centres and that they are available to people. Because um, the first, as I keep saying to people, the first belt an older person gets that's bad. And by that I mean something, you know, some loss of abilities that they Mm. were used to. The first time that happens, if they're not treated properly and if they don't get the care they need to recover from that, it means that they will suffer for the rest of their life somewhat with being slightly not as able as they were. And that's why ablement should be very important. Because when somebody breaks their leg, if they don't get all the physio and mm-hmm. they don't get everything, then that really, really um, is is important. I just wanted to say as well, Michael, that yeah. one of the things that didn't come out was, you know, the changes, you know, the 2012 um, changes that were brought in in the eligibility for pensions. Mm. Well, that wasn't mentioned. So at the um, social protection um, um, information session yesterday, I raised the question because we're getting calls from people who are expecting that to happen as a result of... These are the various pension
4: bans. Yes, Yes, and the
9: fact that Mm. people were going to... So just to say that what we were told at the meeting yesterday was that the department have identified Mm. um, about... 63,000 people who hopefully will be getting letters uh, from the department in the end of October and they will be on various issues whether they require additional information or or there were gaps in their records or whatever Mm. and these are the first slot and then Uh, What I was assured is that legislation will be brought forward um, in the last quarter and that the money, because that's one of the things I was concerned about, how much was it going to cost and was it budgeted for? And they're saying that it will go through whatever changes are required in the Social Welfare Bill. Mm -hmm. And then there's a second category of 34,000 people. So you can see there's about 100, well, there's about 97,000 people altogether and they will be written to in January So um, for people who are in the category and who are still wondering what's going to happen, this is what we've been told. And when we get more information, uh, we will um, Mm. uh, put it out to people. Because it's
3: still subject of a review, isn't it? And Minister Regina Doherty has promised to to move uh, to a system based on whole contributions.
9: Yes, and that's what they assured us was moving to happen. Mm. And that they have been working. Because what happened was people were, were told, don't contact us, we'll contact you. And a lot of people, we were getting calls and people were getting edgy and saying, when is this going to happen? So what they're saying is that the end of October, information letters will go out to people. Mm. And-, and then they will move from there. Um, because, and I, I also was concerned about how much was it going to cost and is the money there now, um, uh, and that that's important as well okay. um as far as older people are concerned but i think that they again if more vulnerable older people want to stay at home then we need to look at more supports and i would have liked to see a, a bigger move for them on the fuel allowance
3: okay well we're
9: we- still four week four weeks short of the 32 weeks that were reduced
3: okay, uh, and uh, other cuts uh, uh, as well that have not been restored yeah, oh well I mean more. the
9: levy I mean for yeah. people who are in occupational pensions yeah. they have really really and they really feel so badly about the fact that no effort has been made to um, uh, try to redress that issue for them in relation to the levy that was applied.
3: All right, Mairead, I have to leave it there. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Mairead Hayes, Chief Executive Officer of uh, the Irish Senior Citizens Parliament, brings our programme to its conclusion today. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning, Mm bye-bye.